Hi, it's Contrera here from the Beyond Bechdel podcast. My special memory from the London Film Festival 2018 is seeing Boots Riley's amazing Sorry to Bother You on the big screen. There has been a thread of music through the festival this year and I'm looking forward to seeing Been So Long, musical starring Michaela Cole and also Wild Rose with a great performance from Jesse Buckley. I cannot wait to see the new period piece from Yorgos Lanthimos, the favourite, especially Olivia Coleman's performance, which is supposed to be one of her best. And it's just been great to catch up with all of the many women in the film industry. There are lots of you and I hope to meet more in the future. The time has come. Catherine Bigelow. This and some of the other nice things that have happened to me in the last couple of days may turn me into some sort of hopeful optimist and ruin my whole life. Spoil? <laughs> Did he spoil me? No. I remember quite clearly, it was 1946 and I was four years old. My mother took me to see King Vidor's Duel in the Sun. All I know is that first, you've got to get mad. You've got to say, I'm a human being. God damn it. My life has value. Babel, Alejandro Gonzalez Iñárritu. Well, I'm a man. Well, nobody's perfect. Al film italiano Deserto Rosso di Michelangelo. It's just that all men are sure it never happened to them, and most women at one time or another have done it, so you do the math. Three artists in the presentation of the Palm Door. Adele, Lea, and Abdel Afid Kenji. Yolafta! Eki Elada, Feliki Zuin. Estizino. Hello all, this is Film On To Me podcast 48, believe it or not. Uh, so we're just two away now from the big 50, uh, which we'll be recording soon. I've given Bianca uh, the guest chair today. It's, much, it's, it's really comfy. I was going to say, like... it's far comfier. She's fresh from the London Film Festival, as you probably all know. Uh, or as we like to call it on Twitter, Oof. <laughs> And we're also joined by another uh, festival goer, Amanda. So hello to Amanda, uh, new a new face on the podcast. Hello, thanks for having me. We're going to talk about the London Film Festival today, if you didn't know already. Um, both girls have been there, they've seen a few films, they've um, sat in panels, etc, etc. I'm going to leave it to them. Basically, whoever wants to start, um, when did you go? What was the first sort of experience you had at the festival this year? I've got quite a fun story, I guess. I went, uh, I caught the train up, I got to Waterloo. I've never really been to Waterloo by myself before, so I was completely lost. I've spent more time walking around Waterloo Station trying to find a way out than actually watching any films. So uh, I didn't actually watch any films. I I spent the four days up in Waterloo Station. No. (laughs) That's not true. No, I had a really great experience, actually. The first day I st- was um, probably amazing, like, for me, in terms of meeting Boots Riley, so, and shaking his hand. So that was a real out-of-body sort of experience, kind of like watching Sorry to Bother You. It was just, <laughs> it was just uh, I, I don't know, it's like a dream, I, I didn't realise He's just so cool. But it was sort of after the uh, the talk he was having regarding, you know, his his work, how he how the film came to to be, and um, his sort of 
Q&A session, uh, which I put up my hand and he answered my question, which was amazing. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, So I asked him, obviously, uh, I was very interested in the comedy, uh, his sort of comedic influences in uh, Sorry to Bother You. And uh, I found out that one of his favorite films is Anchorman. (laughs) (laughs) So that's crazy. Power caller. I hope you did not masturbate today. We need you sharp and ready to go. uh, Yeah, so day one was just amazing in terms of... uh, I saw two really great films. A Japanese film called Asko 1 and 2, which is a really interesting film sort of uh, about a... A girl who falls in love with a boy who then leaves her and then two years later she meets his doppelganger. You know, looks exactly like her ex-boyfriend but it's a completely different person so she falls in love with him. But is she falling in love with him for who he is or because he reminds her of her boyfriend? So it's an interesting romantic comedy and then... Uh, I also saw a lovely Spanish film called Ordinary Time by a female director who was also doing a Q&A as well. And that's a, a really lovely little film uh, about a woman on maternity leave and her experiences of being a, a new mother. So that was that was a really good start to the festival. So I feel like day one was so long ago now. I actually was sitting here trying to remember what I saw on day one. <laughs> I've seen a lot of films in the last week. They've all started merging into one, I think. Uh, but no, I started with Widows. Oh, wow. Opening festival, wasn't it? Yeah, that was the opening film. And what's uh, your verdict on Widows? It was amazing. <laughs> Davids can do no wrong. That woman is incredible. Yeah. Um, yeah. Steve McQueen does like a close-up. It gets mm. a little bit intense. <laughs> there are moments where you're just like, okay, calm down, Steve, back up. But there are some absolutely incredible shots in that film i mean there's one where colin i was gonna say first colin farrell is in the car and it's him and another woman having a conversation but the camera is on the front of the car but looking at the street as the car is driving and the whole scene takes place and all you can see is the street around the car and just about the driver driving the car but you can't see the two people having the conversation and the whole sequence is done in kind of one long shot, and it's absolutely stunning and incredible to watch. And you just think, okay, he knew what he was doing here. It's a very well-put-together film. But I only have two five-star films so far out of oh. seven that I've seen. And it's Green Book, which was the surprise film. Surprise! <laughs> which is absolutely amazing, and I think the perfect antidote to Beautiful Boy, which I'd seen that morning and was quite underwhelmed Uh, and then I went to see Green Book and just came out like restored it was just incredible they're so good Viggo Mortensen and Mahershala Ali are just incredible Um, and I still can't quite believe that Peter Farrelly directed it (laughs) but it's absolutely brilliant because it it doesn't shy away from the racism and the kind of horrors of what Mahershala's character is going through but at the same time it's just really sweet and lovely and it's like a you know, the growing of this friendship and a nice road movie. And it's kind of cute and adorable, but also very serious and very funny. And kind of all these things rolled into one just absolutely brilliant film. I loved it. It is my feeling that your diction could use some finessing. Oh, fun, but why you break my balls? Well, your comment about Beautiful Boy, I'd 
I've heard quite a few people mention <laughs> that they weren't very impressed by it. I mean, uh, it's not bad. I just, I think maybe everyone's expectations were very high as well. And mm-hmm. I just, given the subject matter and given the cast, because every single actor in that film is incredible, can't fault their performances. But for some reason, I just didn't engage with it. I didn't really connect with them. It all just felt like you were just skimming the surface and I didn't really know what was going on. Almost like they made a conscious effort to say, we don't always understand what starts addiction, so we're not going to give Mm. you the answer. But by doing that, I don't know, I don't think audiences are connecting with it quite as much. I mean, I know some people absolutely loved it and, you know, said they came out and there were emotional wrecks and all the rest of it. But I think it only got emotional for me in maybe the last 20 minutes. Mm. Um, And then it did get emotional, but I was expecting to, you know, to have it be a complete kind of gut punch of a film. And I was like, yeah, it was all right. It's not really the response I was expecting. <laughs> and what's your... You've mentioned you've got two films that are five-star movies. What's your second one? Uh, the second one I watched this morning, uh, and it is The Kindergarten Teacher. Ah, uh, yes. It just yes. sounds good in an English accent, but yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, but it is absolutely staggeringly good. It's a new director I've never heard of who I'm probably going to mispronounce, but I think it's Sarah Colangelo. And she's American, and Maggie Gyllenhaal is the main character. Um, And she plays a kindergarten teacher who is trying to kind of recapture her lost creativity, I guess, Um, because she's taking an evening class in poetry, and she obviously wants to be this brilliant, talented poet, and everything she's writing for the class is a bit underwhelming, and they call her poem derivative, and she kind of goes, she's like, oh, they didn't like my poems. Um, And then... A little kid in her class, who I'm guessing is about five, starts talking at one point and she listens to what he says and she, he's just talking to himself and she says, is that a poem? That's incredible. And she writes it down and realises that he's actually a really talented poet, but he is five years old <laughs> and no one else appears to have noticed this. The sun hits her yellow house. It's almost like a sign from God. Was that a poem? <laughs> that was a poem. The sun hits her yellow house. It is almost like a sign from God. Wow. With so few elements, do you think something very, very complex? So it's basically her trying to kind of help him and fuel his creativity and, you know, really encourage him and nurture him and all this kind of stuff. But it comes from a place where she's so kind of sad with her own lot in life that she puts all of her energy into this kid and it then just starts getting a little bit creepy and a little bit weird and you're like, okay, lines are being crossed here and mm. then I, I won't say where it goes in the end, but it, get, it gets a bit weird. Um, but it's so, so good and you just, you really are invested in her, although you completely disagree with what she's doing, you can also completely understand where she's coming from. It's, it's a really weird sort of duality that you can disagree but also agree. Well, talking about empowered women, uh, <laughs> this, is a big, this is a good sort of segue onto my, the panel I, I attended, which was probably actually, as, aside from meeting Boots Riley, was the, you know, one of the, the best parts of attending the festival. And this was the diversity in film criticism panel that I attended on um, God, must have been Friday. It's all, it's so crazy. I'm trying to remember all the dates. 
it's it's all like they like, merge uh, one, don't they? <laughs> yeah, they do. <laughs> it's like all I remember is darkness and 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 seats and and sitting and waiting and uh, yeah. Some sometimes I would see movies. Yeah, it was really a really good panel. It's hosted by uh, Kate Murr from uh, she's a campaigner for women in Hollywood. She's she was really amazing, and on the panel there was also um, Jacqueline Coley, I believe her name is, uh, from, from Rotten Tomatoes. There was Anna Smith, uh, who's written for Time Out and The Guardian. There was Kaleem Aftab, Catherine Schraud from The Guardian, and Stacey L. Smith, who was behind the, the, the recent study done about diversity in film criticism which found out that uh, for every female critic, there's the equivalent of 3.5 male critics. So it was a, it was a great panel, a great panel, a great discussion, really sort of going into what we can, you know, what the study was, um, what the, you know, results were. Obviously, the results were pretty bad. There's not enough diversity in film criticism. There's a serious lack of women, a serious lack of people of colour, you know, a serious lack of transgendered writers, and you know, just it's dominated by white white males. Uh, I think we probably knew this already, uh, unless we've all been hiding under rocks. But you know, it's it's something that I'm quite passionate about, and I was really sort of happy to to attend. And what I I, I really found it quite frustrating in a way, just looking at the the sort of results from the study. And uh, but by the end of the you know the the session, I was really happy. I felt very optimistic, and um, the vice you know, all of the, the panel were giving was amazing and it really sort of lifted my spirits up and uh, it was a bit of a shame though that there weren't, I mean, I was expecting it to be, to all of the seats, you know, in, in the theatre to be full and it was really sort of only half full and a lot of those seats were taken up by women. I was going to say, uh, what, was like, what was like the ratio? <laughs> yeah, which I think really there should, you know, that kind of I would have expected, well, I would have hoped that more men would have attended because I think, you know, it was good for, you know, them to sort of look, you know, hear the other side, really, and what the frustrations are. Film festivals shouldn't necessarily just be about going to watch films. You should be going there to, to listen to people, listen to filmmakers, you know, you know, listen to people who are working in the industry, because it helps, really, especially when, you know, you are a film critic, going to sort of listen to those type of panels and those Q&As and, you know, being able to ask the, the directors, you know, what their sort of inspiration was behind particular, you know, scenes and stuff. I wonder how many men were... <clears throat> I don't think... It's, I don't think ignorance is the right word, but I wonder how many male critics were... Oh no, that, that that's for women. I won't go to that one. Mm. You know, I don't. I don't think that's a bad thing. I think because like the whole feminism thing isn't just about equality for women. It's it's everybody. And I think even men are sometimes are a bit need a bit of educating as well. Like well, no, actually, like you said, go and 
you learn about mm. the other because it shouldn't be the other side, should it? You know, and I'm a man saying this, but I wish <laughs> I was say we had. I don't think we do have mostly women. I think we're about. I think we're about half and half now, but mm. it is easy to find guys on Twitter to write for us than it is to find women. I think as, as well is you know uh, for me I, I actually asked the um, panel I actually you know had a Q&A session I did put up my hand and I said you know um, I've encountered you know some sort of backlash uh, you know on Twitter you know but you know on social media about you know, wanting to be a film critic and um, the response has been, you know, I've had some really sort of negative comments and stuff and I've heard, you know, had other people, you know, I don't want to disclose any information, but, you know, other female critics sort of say their experiences and it is disheartening and just keep going and, and not letting it get, get to you. For me, going to that panel really helped put things in perspective and also gave me some sort of much-needed confidence. And yeah. I went to see the premiere of Destroyer and um, ran to the loo five minutes before the film started and on my way back bumped into Nicole Kidman by the lift. So that was pretty fun. Whoa. Wow. <laughs> That's and an I exciting worried, story. I mean, I, I really was quite worried that I'd miss the intro because I assumed <laughs> I would be doing an intro because I knew she was here. So... I was sort of frantically running down and then I just saw her standing by the lift and thought, oh God, she's going to beat me inside. So I sort of ran in and passed her. Seeing that with a public audience as well was really nice and having her and Karin Kusama and the two producers come out and introduce it and talk a little bit about it. I think they only sort of like, you know, a brief five minute intro, but it was nice to have a bit of context and have Nicole talk about why she was so drawn to this character who is not very likable at all. It was just really interesting because then when you go in, you watch the film and you're invested and you kind of know a bit more. And as you say, you're getting reactions from other people as well. So it's, yeah, it's really fun. I spent all my scrapping, jealous, hungry, scared. I want to find something decent, something... I was really happy to to catch uh, Papi Chulo. Amazing film. Loved it. I didn't think I, I necessarily didn't think I would want to go see it, but I managed to, to get the ticket, and I, I'm glad I did because the director was there and Matt Boomer was there at the end, sort of doing a Q&A session, and the film is just so wonderful, really sort of, uh, sweet and charming and and that for me was a great sort of it was like a surprise you didn't you know this is what I love about festivals you don't this you know we had Ben Wheatley introducing you know Happy New Year Colin Burstead as well and stuff like that it's like you know Amanda's bumping into Nicole Kidman <laughs> uh you know I I'm shaking hands with Boots Riley it's crazy you know I've got a great Ben Wheatley story from a previous LFF. <laughs> oh, tell us that. Um, I was at, I, I paid for this one. I actually got tickets to the premiere for High Rise because it's got such a phenomenal cast. I thought this would be a really fun one. Um, and I was taking a picture of Ben Wheatley on stage. And while I took the picture, he sort of shook his hair a bit like it was in his face or something. Um, and in the picture, he is just sort of thrown his head back and it's just really really funny um so we tweeted him the picture with the i think the comment or the hashtag new profile pic ha ha um and 
he retweeted it and Tom Hiddleston retweeted it and it went absolutely insane and was I think three years ago and I still get likes coming up on my Twitter it's absolutely hilarious it was a very good photo (laughs) (laughs) so uh, Amanda what else did you you saw Nicole Kidman you 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 had a race back to grab your seat before she introduced Destroyer which what's your verdict on that I really enjoyed it. I understand this is dividing a lot of people. Some people were very underwhelmed by it. Um, I mean, it's not a five-star for me. It's four. But I think Nicole is very, very good. I think the film is very kind of eerily paced, and it's compelling from start to finish. There's lots of jumping from present day to 17 years ago. It's basically a story of Nicole Kidman, who is now a cop, and she's completely kind of off the rails and nobody really knows how to work with her but it becomes quite clear that she was on an undercover assignment sort of 17 years ago and something horrific went down so obviously you don't know what happened straight off the bat but by the end of the film you've been told so there's a lot of her trying to solve a case um trying to fix her broken relationship with her daughter but she is a very closed off woman and she's obviously been carrying a lot of something for the last you know couple of decades so it's a difficult one but it's beautifully shot it's got a very kind of noir feel there's lots of scenes of her driving you know in her car all very solitary and it's really quite tense for most of it and yeah i just thought it was really really good and karisama is a marvelous marvelous director and should be working more and um, the other big sort of shout out i want to make is for wild rose it's basically about a young woman who wants to be a country singer but is in Glasgow and it's quite tricky it's one of those ones it's the story you've heard many times before but it's done in such a brilliant way that you kind of don't mind (laughs) because they're all so brilliant and the songs are incredible and the story is just lovely and the two leads I mean Jesse Buckley and Julie Walters are just so so good together that's definitely one I I will check out there's so many that I've kind of missed and which I'm kind of gutted about. I think, you know, if I was to you know, hopefully go back next year, I want to go back for a much longer time. Because I, I just, once you've done the running from one cinema to the next cinema, and <laughs> then you've done the queuing, and, you know, the queues for the bathroom are ridiculous. <laughs> London is just crazy. I can't do London. Well, I'm a Londoner, so I love it. <laughs> You're a natural at this, Amanda. Mm-hmm. Oh, man. Love this place. <laughs> um, speaking of London, can I throw one more yeah. in? <laughs> Just because it was completely random and I actually kind of loved it. There is a musical called Been So Long that is going to be, I think, on Netflix at the end of the month. And it has got Michaela Cole in it from Chewing Gum. And it's set in Camden. It is a kind of working class environment, which is not something you necessarily see in musicals unless they're played by Dick Van Dyke. Um, (laughs) But it's basically, it's just a lovely story about a single mum who has just made her entire world about her daughter and has kind of closed herself off to everything else because she's clearly been hurt in the past and doesn't want to get hurt again. Um, Whereas her best mate is just brilliant and very OTT and just hilarious and adorable. And she comes over and is like, right, that's it. You need to go out and gets her out and then she meets a guy and the guy obviously comes with his own baggage and she's got her baggage and there's great chemistry between the two of them but it's all about her kind of learning to let people love her and to love them and kind of 
break down the walls and stuff. So it sounds very cheesy, but then you also have George McKay playing um, a druggie who is wandering the streets trying to hurt her new bloke, and he busts out some dance moves and sings <laughs> a couple of songs, and it's it's really random. Like, you do just sort of watch certain scenes going, wait, is George McKay dancing in a clinic? What is happening? directed by a woman got a predominantly black cast and i just think you know it's very rare to have a film like this made and i think we all need to show it some love when it comes on netflix it's great that they're getting a chance to like you say you know so often these films that get shown at festivals then go on to to be screened in a theater for like a day and then disappear the fact that they're, they're going to go on to, to be shown on Netflix is really going to, to give them you know, more life, I hope, and, and get those people seeing them that necessarily wouldn't go see them in a cinema that's, you know, 20 miles away or something crazy like yeah. that. So I think if we didn't have something like Netflix, a film like this would never have been made. Nobody would have taken it on, which is a shame. You know, they should have done. Um, Robin, you had a quite exciting time didn't you i mean although <laughs> i say that i mean i i just left you to do all the work with the yeah I, I enjoyed being I, abandoned it was, it was wonderful <laughs> <laughs> sorry yeah, about no. that <laughs> no, I'm, glad, I'm, I'm glad i'm glad um, you went to be fair so i was very happy i know you were very excited and it's great for the site as well i'm not gonna lie it's great seeing the badge you know with my, with the site name on it i did i must admit when i got my badge i did sort of have this moment where it felt so surreal mm. and I just you know, got there and managed to find my way out of Waterloo Station to, to go to the BFI, you know, go to South Bank and have that in my hand. It, it was really surreal. It didn't feel like it was happening to me at all. You were there and representing the, the website, so... I did did uh, pick up the site and say how great we are, so... Uh, because obviously you didn't, sadly, didn't come with me. One of us had to go, I think. And if, if you couldn't have gone, then I likely would have gone. But luckily for me, you were busy on Friday afternoon in another, in the, I think in the, the female filmmaker panel thing, which meant I had to interview a filmmaker and an actress, which was great for me because I didn't have to go to London and I could do it over the phone. Uh, and it was the Norwegian film, uh, a Toya Twenty-Two, which depicts the massacre in 2011 in Norway. It's uh, a brilliant yeah, I mean, film, isn't Thursday, it? And so hard to hard yeah, to watch, but just kind of the same feeling. You know, United '93, but not as stylized as that. And this film is all done in one take. And as, I, even as I'm talking about it now, I don't know how the director did it, with the cameraman and the and the actors. I spoke to the director, Eric. Uh, Pop and Andrea Benson, who was a lead actress. But yeah, I mean, it's astonishing. And she, the girl is, is incredible, considering she's never been in films before. You know. Oh, she's amazing. And I, I mean, we've seen, uh, there's been some really sort of powerful performances that I've seen in the festival, but hers is one of the ones that just, you know, is by far one of the greatest I've seen. You know, it doesn't stop for 90 minutes. Yeah, I mean, it wasn't like watching a film and it wasn't like watching a documentary. It was the cliche that, oh, it's like being there, but this was actually like that. Yeah. Shall we Shall we move on to, to a more happier film? Yeah. <laughs> Quickly, I want to mention I, I saw Old Man and the Gun. 
I'm not good. It's not a great film. I'll probably say it's three stars. Robert Redford's brilliant. I mean, he's 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 super. He just looks like the guy that you just you know. He's adorable in a strange way. He's not very threatening. I don't think you know that's the whole point of the film. Is obviously he he's robbing banks and nobody suspects him because he's your old man. It has this really annoying thing where you think it's ended and then it still carries on. Like the, like the Lord of the Rings. Return of the King, yeah. Yeah. I'm like, <laughs> in Return of the Redford. So that was a bit frustrating. I just thought, well, that, you know, could have ended at a certain point, which would have been a brilliant ending. But nope, they, they had to keep carrying it on for a few more, you know, 15 minutes or so. So talking about happy films, you've seen a, a film that's got happy in the title? Yeah, uh, Happy's Lazar. The, um... Alice Milbacher film. The last film she did was The Wonders, and this is really similar to this. Um, it's probably sort of farm hand, and he does everything for the, for the residents of the farm. He's like, Oh, I'll do that for you, and it's very, very amiable. There's a, there is a twist. I'm not going to tell you what happens, but um, the film changes. Um, he has an accident, and then later on, he finds out that things aren't what they used to be. And it's a really fascinating film. And, she, and the director, she makes these films sort of about rural Italy, um, like like nobody else. Because you're all the way through, you're kind of feeling you know, for him, and you, you follow him around, and he... Really simple things like he tells a farmer that this grass here, this is this is herbs. You can chop these up and use them, and the farmer's really excited. And it sounds silly, but when you watch it, it's done in such a way that you can understand why the farmer's so excited. You know, these people have no money. It's in the there's ten films up that they, they do the prizes at the end of the festival, don't they? Uh, and one of them will win the best mm. film. And quickly mention, which I think has been screened now, is uh, that's the end of Sunset, which is. Yeah, I think that was yesterday. I'm so excited about seeing it. Um, Very strange sort of costume drama. But, Bianca, the video I did... I'm going to shut up after this. The video I did for you, where I started and ended with with Sunset, the the girl with a massive hat on. She wears massive hats. Mm -hmm. Um, Was kind of my subliminal prediction that that's going to be the best film. I'm going to stick to it. I'm just going to say that now on the podcast as well, that that's... I think it's going to be named best film at the festival. But if Happy with Lazaro wins, uh, I'll be also delighted. Yeah, I thought, well, just to quickly mention, I, obviously we asked people on Twitter, um, you know, what their experiences were. Mm. I think, you know, uh, people are still sort of at the festival and, you know, still soaking it all in. So I guess, you know, Sean mentioned that he saw Roma on the big screen, mm. which is obviously, like I was saying, that, that's a film that's going to go to Netflix, isn't it? So, uh, I mean, you know, you, we're going to see that come, you know, to a to a TV screen near you very shortly. But, a lot uh, of people are saying that with their hi- that's been their highlight yeah. so far, and saying that it's ridiculous that we're having it on the small screen because it's like you were saying, it's definitely a film to see on mm. the big screen. Um, yeah. And a lot of people are saying that that's their favourite and seeing it on a big screen is like an experience and it was incredible, the rest of it. So it's weird that that one's going to Netflix. Yeah, well, um, Sean was saying that, you know, the, the giant Netflix logo stood up 
uh, stood out and it's it could be like a game-changing moment uh, with regards to whether um, Netflix is going to be accepted, you know, as a legitimate awards contender. So Yeah, the Oscars is... is moment mm. right now is probably the favourite so, for the Oscars, but is it going to be a backlash and can we keep it in theatres? This is sort of a debate, obviously, but can Netflix cooperate as well, as much as they are? They do have... Yeah. They do do good things for the industry. But a lot of people yeah. would disagree, but they do. I think they do generally, although I'm still upset I haven't seen Annihilation on the big screen. Yes. Yeah. 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 But I'm glad that, you know, we we got a chance to have Absolutely. that film. Absolutely. We saw it. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um, and then John Bridges said that his sort of experience so far, he was walking out of Green Book um, out of the Embankment Garden Cinema and was so lost in thinking about the film that after a few minutes he uh, walked into an anti-fascist protest going on. Um, but that that's was how, so surreal. <laughs> yeah, that's how much a film had affected him, uh, that he sort of got caught up in some sort of uh, anti, anti-fascist protest, which you know, out of all the protests you could get caught up in, I suppose it's a good one it's to, not a film to get festival caught up that in. Happens to you, so. So. I've got a couple myself. Um, my my oh, okay. friend Paddy... Paddy Mulholland, he writes for Awards Daily and he's written for us as well. He's he's recently moved to London and he goes to this event every single year. He also loved Roma, said it's the best film of the festival, but also the best film he's seen all year. And this wow. this guy sees a lot of films. He also had quite a funny <laughs> story. Um, the, the image book, the Glad film, was shown in IMAX. And he went and he sat next to a couple who like had loads of drink and they were, uh, and it's not the sort of thing what it's just what you're doing and they were like you know whispering saying oh is it gonna is it, can we can we leave if we don't like it and so he was like he's a proper film geek he was gonna kill someone but they stuck <laughs> it out and actually they were talking to him at the end and actually said they really enjoyed it so it, it was really funny how that you know he thought they were idiots Egypt as he called them at first but <laughs> film turned them around you know the most avant-garde strangest film probably at the festival and then another another guy Lewis Knight was also on Twitter really nice quote which probably was not ended as a quote but he said it's been amazing seeing so much original and interesting content but also seeing it with those that love and appreciate the art form I just think that kind of sums sums it up for me you know that was really nice thing so he's he's seen Green Book as well and he really loved the kindergarten teacher so there you go Excellent. Yeah. Wow. That's excellent taste. <laughs> yeah, definitely. Well, thank you so much for joining us, Amanda. Where can we find you? Uh, I am usually found at Live for Films or at uh, Hey You Guys. Um, but I am on Twitter at Film versus Book. Nice. Follow away, everybody. London, quite and then I need to make a sound. New York, quite and then I need to make a to make a sound. Brazil, quiet and down.